Welcome to the podcast series, A Tasteful Story by Le Cordon Bleu Paris. In this podcast, we take a look behind the scenes of Le Cordon Bleu Paris through the testimonies and experiences of its alumni. In this episode, we meet French-born Marina de Messiac, who grew up in the Netherlands but returned to France to enroll in the Diplôme de Cuisine. She explains that it is possible to live your passion for cooking without being in the kitchen. Now working as a food and lifestyle journalist, she has succeeded in combining her passion for cooking and her taste for travel through her visits to restaurants and hotels around the world. I'm Marina de Manciac, 33, born to French-Russian parents, and I'm currently living in the Netherlands. I work as a food and lifestyle journalist. So I uh, grew up uh, in the Netherlands, although I was born in France. I briefly studied marketing and worked in the restaurant industry since a young age as a part-time waitress. And I worked in the shop prior to enrolling at uh, Le Cordon de Paris. My parents didn't take me to fancy restaurants. They invested in real good ingredients, uh, but they would drive a few hours uh, to France as we were living in the Netherlands in order to get better ingredients over there. At the time uh, in the Netherlands, it wasn't a very developed country when it comes to great food and products. I'm talking about like 20, 25 years ago. So I guess these trips to France and the fact that my parents put a lot of care and effort in uh, great ingredients sensitized me a bit to the food in industry. Did I want to work into the food industry when I was younger? No, not necessarily. I think at the time I wanted to become uh, an air hostess or have like a chocolate factory. Like I had very childish dreams in a, in a way. But uh, as a child, I used to read easy, trendy, mainstream cookbooks. And I also used to cut out recipes from lifestyle and fashion magazines. And they inspired me to cook up simple things such as uh, apple crumble and chicken tagine. At the time, I didn't know what very high-end food tasted like, but I was happy to eat anything simple. Times have changed now, of course, because I mainly cover high-end restaurants. But later in puberty, my father would take me along to cities such as Copenhagen, Rome and New York. Uh, we never visited mission-start restaurants or very high-end restaurants because my father doesn't really like posh places. However, he was okay with dedicating our city breaks to like food. So we would end up eating great things such as um, yeah, Danish uh, fish sandwich, Indian curry, American brownies and local pasta all day. So the reason why I first of all enrolled at Le Cordon Bleu Paris is because I wanted to obtain a diplôme de cuisine and I wanted to work in the food in industry. And particularly, I didn't want to have an office job at the time. I didn't exactly know what I was going to do in the food industry, but for sure I wanted to work in the food industry. So I took the full uh, Diplôme de Cuisine course at Le Cordon Bleu Paris and I graduated in 2013. So the course that I took is the full Diplôme de Cuisine and on the side uh, you could apply for some complimentary guest lessons that were provided by the school. I don't know if it's still the case, but when I uh, enrolled at school 10 years ago, you could like opt for various guest lessons that were very interesting every three to four weeks, I believe. I think a typical day would start pretty early at school, around eight-ish, if I'm not mistaken. And we would have a few theory and practical lessons in a day and have breaks of a few hours in between. Well, given the fact that the admission fees are pretty high in comparison to what an average person makes in Europe, 
my family paid for the admission fee. At the time, that felt completely normal to me. But now that I'm a parent myself, uh, I realize how privileged I was. So how would I describe the relationship with with the teaching uh, chefs? Well, I remember getting along well with most of them and enjoying their unfiltered stories. Uh, Most of them had worked in hardcore Michelin star restaurants under a lot of pressure. So they were really able to give us an inside peek. None of them have really played a decisive role in my career. However, their collective knowledge about food laid the basic foundation of my uh, current knowledge. So in a collective way, they did. I never really felt competition because everyone came from different countries and had different backgrounds, whether that implied uh, age, religion, race, and so on. So no, in retrospect, it was actually very educational to eventually experience culture clashes during practicals, because obviously sometimes you would have some clashes, but like a serious competition, no. I did make friends and actually visited them in their country of origin, Uh, just to name a few, India, Japan, Costa Rica, and Australia. 10 years after graduating, I don't keep in touch with everyone, but I still keep in touch with a few of them. Some of them have opened a business. Uh, for example, uh, I have a friend in India, Bani Nanda. She's a well-known pastry chef now in Delhi. And another one, another friend based in Paris is uh, the Peruvian uh, Javier Jimenez, who is soon opening his Peruvian-inspired food business. It makes me very proud to see them evolving in over time. And they inspire me. However, I have a very dualistic job, so I I don't collaborate with them. Le Cordon Bleu are pretty privileged. I mean, the admission fee is high. And most of them don't realize how hard they need to work in order to succeed in the kitchen. So when I say most of them, I'm including myself, of course. We all had a very glamorous uh, point of view in regards to our time in Paris because, you know, you see it as as a culinary dream. All of the chefs were pretty down-to-earth, practical-driven people who would put back our feet on the ground through anecdotes from their time in the restaurant or in the kitchen. And they would explain how hard life could be as a business owner or an employee in the industry. So I do remember that once a teacher that now now has left the school after years casually explained to us how we should respect dishwashers in the restaurant industry because it's a very tough job. And I remember that all of a sudden the classroom got quiet and you could really feel you had hit the spot. So in that way, sometimes chefs would like casually put our feet back on the ground and try to make us humble. I don't know if that sounds very logic, but (laughs) that's how I... I saw it. So during our course, I didn't do an internship because there was simply not enough time. I remember trying to find a a part-time job in Paris, but the schedule was simply so irregular that I wouldn't, I wasn't just, uh, it was just not possible to find a job on the side. So neither was an internship. However, I did a short internship in a Michelin star restaurant in Amsterdam after graduating followed by a food styling internship at a well-known international magazine. There was the possibility to find an internship through um, the school. However, I opted to do it uh, back in um, the Netherlands, so I chose it myself. Do I have a special memory from the school or a special dish? (laughs) 
Um, it's, it's quite a simple answer, but I remember making canard à l'orange. Uh, I think that was part of the basic uh, cuisine uh, module. But um, to me, it's a classic dish that never goes out of style. So after graduation, I must have made it every week or so for my family members or for friends. And I was proud to see them enjoy my perfectly cooked duck, including my picky grandpa. So that's really one of the <laughs> dishes that I really uh, recall from school that I used to make over and over again until I got bored of it. But every time I make it, it makes me think of uh, my time at school uh, 10 years ago. I'm happy to have a culinary foundation and to know how hard most people have to work in the industry in order to like get your fresh fish perfectly cooked or have serve you veggies that are not too undercooked and uh, a sauce that isn't bitter. You know, most food journalists who write critical reviews never went to a cooking school or spend a single day in a hot kitchen whipping up a Bernays, for example, under the shouting pressure of a frustrated chef. So, yeah, uh, I'm very happy to have a base. And uh, I mean, not not just the fact that I can tell people that I went to that school, because, of course, it gives you a little bit of respect, I would say. But, um, yeah, it's also like I've learned a lot of things at school and I still uh, I'm still able to use them on a daily basis. During my time at Le Cordon Bleu, I went into a sh chocolate shop called uh, Patrick Roger at Place de la Madeleine with a fellow uh, student that, that was actually a pastry student. He was from Mexico and he took me along to a Paris pastry shop quest. And the owner of the shop, uh, Patrick Roger, which is also a meilleur ouvrier de France in France, happened to be around when we visited his shop. And I was too shy to talk to him. But my Mexican friend encouraged me to talk to him, even though he didn't know him at all. And um, Patrick Roger ended up inviting me to his chocolate factory in Sceaux. And he became the first person that I portrayed. So I never imagined that I would have the capacity to become a food journalist because I didn't attend journalism school after uh, graduating from Le Cordon de Paris. But for years, I worked in several chapters and practiced my writing on the side by working for free for small, relatively unknown magazines. But a few years later, I was confident enough to pitch some ideas by continuously contacting various magazines, even if they wouldn't answer me. So this is kind of how I became a, a journalist, but it wasn't clear from the start after graduating what I would become. What makes a food journalist quite particular is that, you know, the media can be quite snobbish. So especially if you're into covering high-end restaurants, It really matters who you know and where you've been. And I didn't have a relative or family member working in the media industry at the time. So it took me years to get into, into it and to build a network and to, of course, gain enough confidence. So the also a particularity of the job is that most journalists make very little money. I mean, in all honesty, I have to, I have to tell. Otherwise, I feel like it's not honest. However, they cover like pricey restaurants, travel for food to exotic places, and they attend fancy events. So it's quite a paradox, but it's part of the fun. So I would say that's quite particular, right? 
So I don't work, uh, contribute to um, TV shows or podcasts for the moment. However, I do write for several Dutch and Belgian print magazines. I write city guides. So it can, it can be in Milan, Paris, it can be a small town in Switzerland, but it can also be the glamorous uh, St. Bart's, for example. And I also conduct interviews with bakers, pastry chefs, bartenders, chefs, sommeliers. So yeah, that's a bit of a variety that is to be found in my current job. Every case is different, of course, but in my case, you know, lifestyle is an umbrella term. So it's a very broad term. Uh, however, in my specific case, uh, it means that I also cover hotels and perhaps even destinations if a magazine asks for it. What kind of advice would I give to future food journalists? Well, inspire yourself by reading many cookbooks, magazines and online content. Talk to local chefs and bakers and pastry chefs and basically everyone that works in the food industry in order to feel a vibe of what's happening out there. And don't give up, even if it means you have another job on the side for a while. Stalk the media you want to work for in the proper way, of course, by sending over up-to-date ideas and suggestions. And uh, yeah, just uh, keep on going. Don't give up. So the advice that I would give to all students, whether they want to become a sommelier, a chef or not, or start their own macaroon business abroad, uh, is enjoy your time at school, because in retrospect, it might be the best time of your life. And don't forget how extremely privileged you are, of course. Absorb everything the chefs tell you, whether it's to store your fresh herbs uh, correctly or what makes the red wine sauce bitter, for example. And when you're off from school, make the most of Paris and its lively culinary scene. Yeah, make international friends and keep in touch with them because it's very interesting to see them evolve. And uh, yeah, that's what I would advise. Thank you for listening to A Tasteful Story, a podcast from Le Cordon Bleu Paris. See you next month for a new episode. Until then, don't hesitate to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes and can continue to listen to the stories of inspiring alumni. For more information on Le Cordon Bleu Paris diplomas, please visit cordonbleu.edu slash Paris and all of the Cordon Bleu social media. See you soon.